everybody. First, I'd like to call up Stevie and Natalia. And Natalia. They're going to speak right now. All right. So, um, we are talking about Pastor and Sharon because this year is their 30th anniversary. And we are, uh, I know we are talking about sending, well, no, we aren't talking. We're going to send them on the Mediterranean trip, which is going to be um, about 15000 And we're taking up two offerings, one in September and then one in December with Doc Barkley. Um, and if you want, uh, like this is a whole year celebration for them. I'm going to speak because I, I, get, I get to talk about this. I love this part. Because when I hear about Pastor and Sharon and people outside of the church, and they're like, well, are they really, are they really the way they say they are? And I, I get to experience, I get to say, no, they are. Because 11 years ago, what's today's date? The fixed. 11 years ago, yesterday, was no, the fifth. first. It's the fifth. Okay, 11 years ago, today. <laughs> 11 years ago, today, was when I moved here. And I moved here because God told me to. And because I wanted to marry Talia. <laughs> and facts. <laughs> but, like, I get to... I moved here with $400 to my name, and I was living with a friend, and things just didn't end up well, and I ended up homeless a couple months later. And I get a text from pastor that says, hey, are you still homeless? I'm like, what? Like, you know me for two months. Like, I went on the trip to West Virginia with Chuck, so, like, that was the first full uh, one month in. That was July that we went. So one month in, that part of the church. And then a month after that, two months in, I was homeless. And pastor texted me and said, hey, you're still homeless. And I was, you have anywhere to stay? And I was like, well, you know, staying in the camper right now. It's kind of, yeah. And he goes, okay, bring your stuff to my house. always ask, why are you doing this? And he'd give me that, that dumb Christianese answer. Well, it's what good people do. <laughs> and I know, like, I know that's, that's, that's not, that's not true. <laughs> like, not all the time. It's like, and especially as a young black male that's new to an area that you've only met for two months, you're not just going to let some random guy move into your house unless God's telling you to do something, right? So, 
pastor seen what God had for me and started to chip away at the brokenness, help chip away at that. And so when people ask me, are they really who they say they are? I get to say yes, because I live with them. I worked out with them. Ate at his table. When I didn't have a car, he let me drive his car. He did also tell me if I left it empty, he was going to punch a hole in my chest. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> here's the thing. It's like I'm saying, I get to, I get to share that because that's who they are. That's the real them. When, when they're not here, like, what you see is what you get. It's not as fake reality. Well, I'm just a pastor up here on the stage, and then I'm gone doing whatever outside. No. He's a sh- So, I'm very thankful for your pastor that you saw. And now, we're the youth pastors here that he saw something in us and said, look, I see what God's doing. I'm going to help you get there. Now that we're here, we're going to work. Lives are being changed because of that. I should have went first. <laughs> I should have went first. Anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, Stevie's talking about how he, he lived there for three years. Well, we dated for three years, so I spent a lot of time at Pastor and Sharon's house. You know, Pastor introduced me to the Rocky movies, and we watched Pirates of the Caribbean and, you know, ate dinner, and it was, you know, they are real. They're just, you know, they're just the people that they are here. They're very transparent. They're like, this is who we are. This is, you know, so... um. But also, I was going to say this. Um, Stevie mentioned that we're the youth pastors, which you all know that. But um, we've been almost five years, the youth pastors here. And ministry is extremely hard. Like, <laughs> and we've only been, the, you know, youth pastors for five years. They've been in ministry at Amazing Grace for 30. And that's hard. And so we want to send them on this amazing trip because it's important that they are celebrated for all of the years of hard work that they've spent here at Amazing Grace. And so... Um, just we want you to prayerfully consider and ask the Holy Spirit what you can give um, toward this trip. So, yeah, that's all I have to say. Wait, one more thing. Yes, and if you if you want to give before, there is a, like, you can, is a Jolliffe, is a pastor, Jolliffe anniversary on, on the line. You can give, or you can wait till September 11th or December 4th. So, there's that. everybody how are you all how are you all doing this morning <laughs> are y'all doing good all right well as pastor said I will be speaking today since I'm up here and then also next week um, and I believe God put something ready for you in my heart 
to come out and give it to you, and you are to take it, accept it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to quickly open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time you set apart for this moment for us to glean from you, you to speak into us, Father, to continue spreading your word and your kingdom across this world. God, I thank you that uh, work is to be done. We are the great workers here, called by you, Father, to help bring, bring, uh, bring heaven down on earth. Father, I thank you for everything you're doing for us this morning, all the blessings we have and more to come. And uh, I pray unexpected blessings to come all of our ways throughout this, throughout this day and this whole week, Father. I thank you for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I have a question for you this morning. What is wrong with the world? All right. You can literally take, pick apart that question in any aspect you want, any arena you choose. There is no shortage. You can do, as Gene pointed out, going to gas pumps. You got the economic, you got the education system, you got welfare, you got corporate greed, which a lot of people are talking about too. You've got declining morality. You've got progressive Christianity, progressive religion. You've got no shortage of answers, of answers whatsoever. So if you would, please turn to Romans chapter 1 with me. This is where we're going to start. I love uh, any of the letters you write from, or any of the letters you read from Paul. I absolutely just love, you know, how he starts off every single one of his writings with a, all of his writings with a nice greeting, you know. To me, I like how he sets traps for Christians. It, he starts it off so sweet, and then bam, there's hard truths and there's good convictions, right? That's how Paul is. I love his writing. So, like I said, we're going to be starting in Romans chapter 1. I want you all to move to verse 16. All right, I want to read this one first. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Listen, I myself am not ashamed of this gospel. As a believer, as a Christian, you should not be ashamed of this gospel as well. The whole book of Romans, pretty much after his greeting, starts with that. I am not ashamed of this gospel. It is truth. It is power unto salvation for all who believe. All right. Jesus set me free from a life of harm and death into love and life. That's what the power of salvation does. That's what this gospel brings. That's what it does for you. So I wanted to read that because Paul felt necessary to put that before what's to come. So... Like I said, I'm glad you put that in there. It's a nice little, nice, nice little segue into what the hard stuff he's about to start speaking. Verse 18 is what I want to read for you. I'm going to go through verse 18 through 25. So follow along in your Bibles. Let's get into it. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. From the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For they know God, 
they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of, glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over to the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served something instead something created instead of the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So obviously Paul started, a, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, a good powerful verse all Christians should believe. And then segues right into this hard truth. You know, that question I asked was, what is wrong with the world? It is clearly written right there. The world suppresses the truth. That is what is wrong with the world. Like I said, there is absolutely no shortage of things to find fault in this world and what's going on. But right there is your answer. They have suppressed the truth. You can take a deep look into history, and there's always been a strong opposition against the truth of God, God himself, all the truths of God, the Bible, the Word. There's always been an opposition to truth. You know, don't ever get me started on the lies of like the foundings of America and that kind of stuff, like the truth of it, that, that really will get me going. I'll say this one. Did you guys, okay, so why did Christopher Columbus sail the seas? Was it to find a trade route to India, that thing? Like what we were taught? That's wrong. Technically, did you know that Christopher Columbus had a book called My Book of Prophecies? And in that he actually talks about why he wanted to sail the seas stuff. It was, he said he was fulfilling prophecies in the book of Isaiah to spread Christianity. Literally, that's what it, he just happened to have boats that the king needed, that the king had. He, you know, there were boats available. So he's like, well, I'm going to use them. That's a huge lie. And that really is setting and telling for the rest of America coming to be. Literally, the, the prophecies of Isaiah is why Christopher Columbus sailed the sea. You do not hear that in school. Trust me, I lived out there on the reservation. I heard what they say. Literally, the suppression of truth. That's what's wrong with the world. So you can get me started on all that kind of stuff. So in order for sin to work, there has to be that suppression of truth. The reason people sin is not because they don't know any better. It says right in here, listen, the moral lawgiver has written morality on our hearts. That is God. Without God, there is no good or evil. Without God, there is no right or wrong. We do know, okay? That is not why people sin, all right? People sin because they choose to ignore, to suppress what creation is clearly trying to show and speak about God. Listen, we live in this universe that God has created. Everything from the delicate flower to the boiling hot sun Everything a part of creation God has used to speak about him, to show the world him, all right? It is all, as it says in here, to communicate his attributes. His invisible qualities are made known through creation. So there is no shortage of whatsoever of God, of the truth of God in all of creation. There is no blade of grass, there is no color in all of existence that does not point the glory of God and for us to see it to rejoice in his glory 
Okay, so you, there's no excuse for there. I mean, we, we read that already. But if you keep reading throughout this chapter, you can see just how much the world loves sin. You can dig into it, and there is a list that just goes on and on and on about different things about sin, about what, and the world loves it. There's no, there's no, there's no hiding it. Idolatry to depravity, you read all that kind of stuff throughout the rest of this chapter, it, it is clearly shown today. Okay, so everything written here, it shows when we turned ourselves away from God, we turned it back on to ourselves. That's where the fall happened to. We exchanged the glory of God, as it said, to images of ourselves. Satan tried to use, you know, he, he tried to do that with Jesus also. Tried to get Jesus to act independently of God after he came out of the wilderness. And he tried tempting him. If you are the son of God, trying to separate the connection that he actually had there, trying to get him to act independently, trying to not use the word correctly. He was using the word, but he, it was no longer a truth. It was all lies of the word. He wasn't using it correctly. You know, we, could, we, we saw that there. So... That has nothing new of what is happening today. Absolutely not. So chapter 1 gives us a really good picture of an unbelieving world. Okay, so imagine the, uh, the church leaders when they were reading Paul's letter. Oh, yeah, that, this, this unbelieving world, those sinners, how dare they? That's right. Hurrah, absolutely. Right there's the holy trap that Paul gets the Christians with. Those, uh, those leaders reading the, the letter, that's unbelievable. That's right. Let's get it. Say it. Blah, blah, blah. Chapter 2 is coming. Now, if you turn to chapter 2, you can read bits and pieces of it, and you can actually see how Paul is talking about this unbelieving world and the church. And he moves it on to the church, the believers. Chapter 2 is... For any of us who, who, for whatever reason, believed chapter 1 didn't apply. Okay? There's, like I said, there's that holy trap. Every time you read something with Paul, you got to expect there's a trap. It's good, though. God told him to put it in there. So, they're good traps, all right? There's that holy trap he gives the church. He's calling out the conditions of the world and the church. You know, at that time, the church was having issues with positioning itself to the world's conditions, too. They were having a hard time fighting, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Well, this is how the church, church is supposed to be. I still like doing this stuff. You know, this ain't as bad in the world. It's okay if it leaks into the church a little bit, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I can name about a dozen churches right now where that's happening in Michigan alone. I, I've got friends that actually left churches because that was sneaking in and they saw it and they decided, like, no, this is not where I'm going to raise my family. This is not where it's happening. Listen, guys, it's not to... Paul saw it important to write it then, and it's still important to realize it and look at it now. It's not to be ignored. Listen, the world... Okay, if the world ever lives like the church, and the church ever lives like the world, the church is always wrong. There is nothing in this world that is supposed to be replicated by the church. The church is supposed to be affecting the world. Not the opposite way. 
the church and the world will not be one until Revelation 21 happens. When the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven on earth. That's when they'll be one. Before then, we're always going to have this opposition between the two. But as far as I knew, the kingdom of light is a lot stronger than the kingdom of darkness. So, you take that. That really could sound like a buzzkill. You know, we're not going to be one at all until Jesus comes? Nope. That's just the truth of it. We're still, we're still battling things here on earth and stuff. I mean, we're still living on this world that has a cursed condition from the fall of man. So, I don't mean to make it sound like a buzzkill, but we're going to have to deal with this until Jesus, Jesus returns, okay? We're going to have to fight the suppression of truth and the enemy and the lies and everything until the skies crack, crack open and we hear the trumpet. I'm so glad that this letter that Paul was writing didn't end with chapter 1 and chapter 2. All right? Like I said, that right there would have been a buzzkill. You get the letter of the leaders and stuff like Paul's like, oh, hey, I'd like to visit Rome someday. I'd like to see you guys. I'm praying for you. By the way, the world's condition is bad, and so is, so is yours. The end. And then like, oh, shoot, burn that letter. <laughs> Died that one. Don't let anybody ever see that. But listen, Paul kept writing. God had him keep writing. I want you to move to chapter 5 and chapter 6 with me. This is where things really start to change. Go to chapter 5 with me, and we're going to actually read verses 17 through 21. I want to read this out for you guys. It says, Since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more would those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is life-giving justification for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am so thankful Paul was obedient and wrote that so I could read that today. Listen, the condition of the world right now is not because, is because of Adam's sin. <laughs> That's a good man. I told him to go get me a tea. <laughs> you are blessed. <laughs> All right. So, the condition of the world, how come nobody stopped him walking up here? <laughs> Dakota. <laughs> okay, so the condition of the world right now came about because of Adam's sin in the garden. Adam opened the doorway and sin entered in. Okay, guys, so that's, you see that, it's right there. But, I actually know, that is why there is suffering and sin and, and the, the death. You know, sin breeds death. That's why that's in the world today. That's why the, the condition of the world has what it is, the suffering and all that, all that jazz. But life through Jesus is what came next. Okay, listen. 
chapter 6, it literally starts off with the new life in Christ. Paul was talking about the condition of the world, the condition of the church, and he talked about how it all came through Adam and it all ended because of Jesus. Their condition of the world ended through Jesus. And now chapter 6 starts with uh, the new life in Christ. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live with it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried, buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Oh my goodness. That is so refreshing after reading and looking into the condition of the world and the condition of man to now the new condition of man that you can live in. Listen, the storms of sin may be all around us, but the storms of sin do not have to be within us. That is what we have now in this new life in Christ. So when we ask, when I ask that question, what is wrong with the world? It, the question should only be just that and that. What is wrong with the Christians in the world? All excuses have been removed, removed away. They're done, done and gone with. You have a new life in Christ. So by the power of salvation through Jesus, you no longer have to live bound to the cursed conditions of this world. You now, because of righteousness, can now live with the freedom and liberty, liberty of all the blessings of heaven. Man, the world's condition is not yours anymore. Paul was letting the church know what was wrong with the world and then also pointing out things in the church too so they could fight against it with their new position in Christ, with their new life found in Christ. That's why he kept writing past chapter 2. If not, man, like I said, that would have been a major boomer. But, listen, the work of Jesus on the cross gave you righteousness as your new condition. No longer curse. So, when Jesus, I mean, when Paul, when Paul's talking about what Jesus had done, and he's talking about the world's condition, he's talking about the church, you know, since we're the church, the church carries with us at our home. But that also means at your home, too, not just here in this building. Your home is now bound to righteousness, not the cursed conditions of this world. You got issues in your home? You've, you've been given the new life. You've been given the authority, the freedom, the blessings, the liberty of heaven to change it, to give it a new condition. Christ is truth. You want, you want to fix the lies in this world, lies in your home, things that family members may be dealing with. I got aunts, uncles cousins and nephews and all that stuff fighting fighting lies truth is Jesus Christ they that's what they need and that's what fixes it you have a new position in truth by what Jesus has done for you listen we it's no secret we have a heart issue in the world today the suppression of truth happens when sin binds us to the lies of the enemy binds us to the lies of Satan the church battles within because they allow little slivers of lies to work themselves in and they're, not, and they're not dealt with by the word of God by the truth of God's word 
That's why we've got this rigmarole of progressive Christianity flooding into the churches today. And so many young people are, are falling to it. But I tell you what, bind, you know, if I bind myself to the heart of God, Satan can't get to my heart. He can't allow them little slivers to work themselves in. It's a fortified position. Listen, I'll tell you something I know about the staff in this church. They have bound themselves to the heart of God. I know that of this church. I know the staff. I've, I, I work with them. I, I play guitar up there with them. I speak with them outside of the church, that kind of stuff. I know the staff. They bind themselves to the heart of God. You can tr- rest assured in that. Truth will reign, and it will make you free. I love that. John chapter 8, 31 32. Good, good, good verse. Go mark up in your Bible. You no longer have to live bound to the conditions of sin, but now to the conditions of righteousness. That's, that's where you live now. That's your new life in Christ. I want to read verses 12 through 14 of chapter 6. So work your way down. Verses 12 through 14 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Listen, there, there is an important piece I want you to see there. You have the power that Paul talks about here to literally live unto righteousness. What is righteousness again? What do we know about that? What's the definition of it? It is in right standing with God. Listen, I want you, if my Bible has the words parts written in there. I, I wrote over them the word senses. If you have that in your Bible, the word parts, I want you to write the word senses over that. And I'm meaning about your five senses, ear, touch, smell, sight, all that kind of stuff. Listen, now if you read that, it says, do not offer any of your senses to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all of your senses to God as weapons for righteousness. Listen, what is powerful about that is your five senses are freed from the cursed conditions of this world. Not just your, your soul and your spirit, but also your physical self. Your physical self, your five senses are also freed from the cursed conditions of this world and out into the conditions of righteousness of heaven. Christians will, will think just because sin's in this world, we have to battle with it with our physical bodies forever and it's just going to be there and stuff. And thank God that my, at least my spirit my soul are taken care of. No, all three arenas of yourself, spirit, soul, body, all of it. Listen, your spiritual, mental, and physical selves, all three of those, once you understand that all three of those, all three of you, all three of you is no longer bound to conditions of this world, but under righteousness, under the blessings of heaven. Wow, that is so much more powerful living. Holy moly. That allows, that allows miracle works of healings to take place even greater. Because once you align that up to it, like, wow, even my physical self, is now unto, unto the righteousness, the, as it says right here, uh, weapons of righteousness. I love that. I love weapons. And I love righteousness. And I love how Paul put them together. That's just a little side note. Listen, 
there is a lot that actually goes to it. We, we, there's, there's medical studies, scientific studies that shows that emotions actually help affect the physical. It, it, it affects that. It really does. People who have depression and that kind of stuff, like how it affects your liver and kidneys and whatnot, like there's actual... It's, it literally is all tied together. God created everything, tied it all together. So don't think that this is just for your mental state, your spiritual state. It's for your physical, too. You got problems with some of the conditions that if you would you know, read further on in chapter 1, if, if you've got problems with uh, harm, doing harmful things with your hands, if you have problems with engaging into sexual impurity with your hands and that kind of stuff, you have power and control over those as well. You're not, an, you're not a cybernetic organism with living tissue over metal endoskeleton. A terminator. You have power and control over your body. I love the Terminator movies. <laughs> Listen, I was spiritually dead in this world, but now I'm alive in Christ. That's what Paul is showing out here in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 5, and chapter 6. I didn't, I didn't want to skip over the chapters in between because they're equally as powerful. You know, I only have so much time this morning. But you read all of that and see the work. It was through faith, by faith, a whole bunch of those things. Man, how powerful those are. But listen, I, meant, I battled mentally with anger as a kid. It was mental, but yeah, it did manifest itself physically because I was hitting people. It happened. But good old Tim Clark back there, he said one thing that was profound in helping me with that, with the, uh, the anger issues that I used to have. I remember we were in the old garage, and we were cutting up deer meat. We were grinding it, putting it on and stuff, and he was having me cut pieces and whatnot. And I can't remember what I said it wasn't important as what he said. He said, unchecked anger will lead you down a road you cannot come back from. That boy worked at a joint. Well, he works at the prison still. He understood. He saw that. And God used that. Because, man, the world's condition back then in my life was, was had a stronghold of anger, unforgiveness. But that one profound thing that Tim said to me when we were cutting up meat, just good old time. I remember, I remember Cutlass was on the, on the radio above us. He made a comment about what faith can do, that song. I remember that entire moment so vividly because that was such a profound moment in my life of defeating the world's condition of anger in my life into what I can do now, what I have available now because of Christ because of the new condition, my new position in Christ that I get to live from. I had one of the poorest examples growing up of a father who was constantly in and out of prison. Um, at that time when, uh, I mean, I mean it, was, it, was, it was bad. He ended up leaving us when my mom gave birth to my younger sister, Angela whose twin brother died during birth also. My mom actually ended up dying during labor too. She was brought back. She was still in the hospital when he saw her and said, I uh, never wanted you, never wanted kids, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm done now. And then it was like really, really short after. She was back in prison again. You know, I had that. I had a, an uncle who murdered his own dad, my grandpa, who was a state trooper in Ionia. 
I've got aunts and uncles that uh, heavily, heavily struggled. They still do, not as heavily then. They still struggle with alcohol and substance abuse. Um, cousins who, who, who did as well. Um, man, it was just talking about world's condition in the family. There was a lot of it. Completely surrounded by it. Been homeless, as you know, Steve pointed out. He was homeless. Man, there's a lot. There's too much homelessness. But <laughs> homeless also lived with all, multiple families. We lived with Clarks, the Roses. There was times where we we'd live at the shelter. If there wasn't room in shelters, the boiler room right by the ball fields at the elementary school. I slept in those for a few weeks on end. Tucked right up to the washer and dryer and the boiler for heat. I wore the same outfit for three weeks straight. I remember that. We talk about conditions of this world. You know, been rescued and restored from all of that. So there was a lot. There was a lot of unrighteous anger, anxiety, murder, substance abuse, adultery, envy, envy, ton of family slander. All lies thrown around as I grew up. Holy moly. Jesus gave me new life. He gave me a new position to live from. He, gave, he took away the world's condition. Well, when I accepted him, I gave him the world's condition. I took his condition, the condition of righteousness. I got a new life of freedom, new life of, of liberty and right standing with God Almighty. That is amazing. I can't, I can't put into words all of it. I mean, it literally set a whole new tone for the, the conditions I saw growing up seeing in marriage. My mom's been married four times, uh, once before any of us kids were alive. But I saw all those, those horrible, poor examples of marriages. And I don't have that with my wife. We, have a, we live in a new position. We have a condition of heaven in our, in our marriage. We don't have the condition of the world. Well, I, shoot, I think Pastor might have mentioned it a couple months ago, or maybe, or maybe I heard somewhere else. So like the average marriage only lasts like two years now, or something sad. Dude, we're we're about to hit nine. I'm doing all right. <laughs> we're doing good. Listen, some of you this morning may actually be struggling with what chapter two talks about. You know, it's just it's just chapter one to the church in chapter two. You may actually be struggling with the world's condition in your own life, in your family's life, in your home, in your work, that kind of stuff. Some of you may actually be struggling with that today. I want you to know, you've got a new condition to live by. Through Christ, you, you can give up the world's condition around you, in your family, and take on the condition of heaven, the blessings of heaven. You've been given a new position to live from. I'm not positioned in the world anymore. I'm not positioned in righteousness. I'm positioned in heaven. I'm positioned next to the throne with Jesus and my almighty God, the creator of all the universe and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm now positioned from. Some of you may have that in your family. Um, Mona prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for her son, Matt. Isn't that the, the giant one, Matt? Uh, he's big. He's bigger than the pastor. He's big. And she didn't stop. She used her position 
to influence the conditions. That's a beautiful example right there. Some of you may have this in your family today, in your children's lives, in your, in your siblings' lives, aunts' and uncles' lives. You may have the world's condition. Listen, you have been given all power and authority, all the natural resources of heaven, to change that condition. I want you right now, I'm going to be closing, I want you right now to be thinking if it's particular in your home, if it's family's homes, relatives' homes, conditions. I want you to use your position, start speaking over those, start praying over those. But I want you to be thinking about them right now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray from our position that we now have, that we, have, that we get to live through from Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that our position is seated in righteousness, is seated in glory with you, seated in heaven, moves glory to glory, Father. I thank you that glory to glory means things are happening, work is being done, the kingdom of light is reigning and ruling. Father, I thank you that in our own personal lives, if we have anything of chapter 1 and chapter 2 in our lives, highlight it for us, Father, so we can reign over it, use our position to get over it to subdue it. Find it to your word, Father. I thank you, God, right now in our families' lives, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, siblings, even our friends, Father. The world's condition will not reign, will not rule, Father. But you have sent us into the world to give a new position, to, to, send, to show you, Father, to make you famous. Jesus, I thank you for my new position of what you've done on the cross. I thank you that I, got to, I get to now live with new conditions of heaven. Lord, I thank you right now that everybody in this room will be used as a weapon of righteousness in their homes, in their families' homes, in their friends' homes. Father, all the ones around them, into this world, they stand as weapons of righteousness, Father. I thank you that work will be done, things will be changed. Father, I thank you that the world will change by your word, Father, by your truth. I thank you, Lord, that we know your truth. We know you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't, I don't